from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to Superiority Complex, everybody. Your new favorite podcast. It's guy day. It's all dudes. Dude energy, bro energy. All men today. Justine is out. Anita, unfortunately, is out today. So we got Patrick, we got Jake, we got John, we got special guest Hiddish Patel, which may or may not be his last ride. We're not sure. He's done with his sabbatical, but uh, he didn't have any meetings today, so he joined us. So finally, guys, it's all guys. And listen, a lot of, maybe you ladies out there are a little nervous. It's going to be like, oh, it's five dudes. We are civilized, enlightened dudes. This isn't going to be like Joe Rogan talk. This is going to be five enlightened guys giving five enlightened opinions on pop culture. So... First of all, we can talk about how we all hated the Barbie movie. We don't have to fake that anymore. Thank God. <laughs> Secondly, before we, before we went to air, Patrick was telling us something about, I believe you used the words, you, you found your own Adam Driver, and you were going to explain that, something about Florence Pugh in Oppenheimer. I don't know what I, Wait, I think. What? I think you're going to be able to explain that to us. And then, uh, how do you get? How do you guys really feel about gender identity? And then, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, Jake was going to tell us uh, all of his favorite parts of the show. Oh, I for, I screwed up the joke. I can't think of the name of the show. What's the name of that that show? The 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 it's on HBO and everybody talks about it and. Um, White Orchid or no Mary Mary Jane Watson's in it. Uh, uh, MJ huh? MJ's in it. Uh, oh, MJ. right, right, right. I know who you're Euphoria. talking about. Euphoria. Euphoria. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I found out about. Yeah, somebody, somebody, told, somebody got me watching Euphoria. I'm like, I can't believe this is a real show. Yeah. Jake, Jake was going to go over <laughs> the uh, his top ten hottest scenes in Euphoria. That's, that's so that's what we have. I, that's that's what we have planned Christ. today. <laughs> I don't I, get that show. I kid. I kid. Neither do I. I kid. Did anyone see? However, top 10, though. What? Yeah, however, top 10 videos I was able to, when I was top scanning. 10, top 10 Sydney Sweeney topless scenes. That's the kind of show it's going to be. Uh, John, oh, let's talk Lord. about this real quick. Speaking of topless scenes, let's, uh, let's take the top off this one. Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's latest. I just saw it. You saw it. Anyone else yeah. see it? Mm-mm. Let's let's no, fire no. away, John. You enjoyed it, yeah. But you know, you texted me. It's funny we didn't get to talk about this. I completely identified with what you were saying because I'm about a half hour in. I'm going. This is leaving me a little cold. This is a little. This is like Wes Anderson to the tenth power. But by the end of the movie, I was like, okay, I found the fuzzy, the warm fuzzy middle to this movie. I could now. It's it's now firing in all cylinders, and I get it. I get the payoff, but at first I thought this is cool to look at, but it's a little cold blooded, which is, you know, kind of a knock he gets kind of like Kubrick gets. It's a little too precision too hermetically sealed. But by the end of the movie, I thought, no, this is, uh, you know, this is a little heartwarming by the time you get to the last scene. But I, I guess you didn't warm up to it at all. No, it was very dry for me. And I get, I get that Wes Anderson was making fun of himself a lot. I got that. Probably. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> Probably. Cause this was Wes Anderson to the nth degree. Uh, oh, absolutely! It, it, was Jesus. it was literally him moving characters around a stage, um, 
And, uh, but yeah, it just, it just even it, the outdoor stuff, right? <laughs> even right. the outdoor, you were laughing. You said like that mushroom cloud was, looked like it was like carved out of clay or something. Right, right. You said it was, uh, looked like it was rendered by Art Cloakey. Like, I love the design of it. I love the look, but, uh, yeah, it just didn't grab me. And I think, uh, I think it was also, this is the first time I've been distracted by people. Usually he has his cast of characters and in the presence of, Steve Carell and Tom Hanks, they seemed a little out of place in, in his usual gang of, you know, of, uh, of his usual troop of actors. Uh, they they kind of stood out and it kind of took it out of it for me. Um, Steve Carell was filling in for Bill Murray. Bill Murray got COVID. Right. And so at the last, at the last minute, they got Steve Carell to do that. You can see Bill Murray doing that part. Right. I thought Tom Hanks fit in pretty good. I thought this is odd. This is not his usual acting style, and he kind. Of, I thought he kind of fit in with the the uh, the rest of the oddballs. Yeah, it was. Uh, there was some. There was some interesting stuff in there. Um, I did like the scene where you didn't know if Scarlett Johansson was dead or alive because she had she was in the bathtub, and she had all those pills around her. You know, like a fifties movie star. And then, I thought she was great in that movie. She had a lot, you know, a lot of very funny lines. And uh, I, you know, Mario, I bet you warm up to it. You see it one more time. I bet you warm up to it. Maybe I know you. Uh, yeah, I know the soundtrack stays with you forever. Uh, and uh, I like the visuals. God, I the, I God, the look of it, the, the jetpack and the the spaceship, all of that stuff looked so I'll great. To, I'll have to give it another try because it. Uh, yeah, it left me a little. Uh, you you said it's your, in your top three, Wes Anderson. Uh, I know. And people will probably go, what? But um, it, it, once it kicked in, it really got me. It really got me in a way that some, uh, some of his other stuff, like, you know, I don't know. I like some of the more oddball ones, the ones that nobody ever talks about, like Moonrise Kingdom. You know, I liked a lot. Um, I kind of gravitate toward the ones that nobody ever talks about. Yeah. My buddy, uh, but, Chris Graham, friend of the show, he's been on a couple of times uh, and uh, he's a huge Wes Anderson guy. And he put this at the bottom of his Wes Anderson movies. Uh, Damn. So yeah. oh. I think it just depends on how it hits you. I think it just yeah. depends on how it hits you, but they're all that way in some way or another. I don't think everybody has the same top 10 Wes Anderson movie list. I think they identify with certain ones more than the, more than others. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I get it. I get it. Cause it really is like a kid playing with his toy box. You know, it's all, it's all just like you said, it's just, he's just moving them around like chess pieces, you know? Right. Right. Uh, no, we, uh, Hiddish and I got to see Oppenheimer and, um, and, uh, boy, you talk about a guy who likes to move chess pieces around with precision. Mm. It's that Christopher Nolan. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was, uh, we, we talked about it. Hiddish and I talked about it, but you, we've all seen it, right? We've all seen the Oppenheimer. I, I mm, saw it twice. Enough. It was kind of accidentally, not accidentally, but by happenstance, I saw it twice and I was just telling, when you walked off i told the guys i said it, it really held up even the second you know three hour movie second time around held up just as strong right i just watched uh hittish loved it what do we give it hittish would you give it a seven eight would you give it an eight um i can't remember it was like a seven or eight you gave it a nine i think i gave it a nine then i gave, then I gave john it gave it a ten is that it right john uh i think i gave it a nine yeah, yeah. i just watched rewatched uh, fat man and little boy and uh, what's interesting about that, uh, it's a retelling from the from the, uh, the 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 basic thrust of that movie is that General Groves becomes obsessed and really pushes Oppenheimer to finish the bomb, even though they kind of lose steam after Germany uh, surrenders, and it's really 
they really kind of put it on him to say that, you know, he was really the one that pushed for it. And uh, he, you know, basically browbeats Oppenheimer into finishing the project. So that was kind of the main conceit. Is it worth catching? Is that worth catching? You know, it's, it's not, it's not great, but it's not bad. It feels more like a TV movie because the person that plays Oppenheimer opposite general groves by Paul Newman, Hiddish will love this Dwight Schultz, AKA Murdoch. Really? From the 18. And the no kidding. And he's not bad, but the thing is he decides that, uh, his whole thing is Oppenheimer's going to always either have a cigarette in his hand or he's always doing something with his hand. And it gets very mm-hmm. distracting because you can see that he just decided, like, this is what I'm going to do with this character. And you're like, dude, put your hands down. <laughs> just, you know, he, <laughs> I, I think he must have read that. I, I think I read that Oppenheimer was a chain smoker. So he must have read that when he was researching him. Right. He, he, he does that a lot, but he's always got something. But the interesting thing is his wife is played by, um, Bonnie Bedelia. Uh, oh yeah. And then the mistress is played by uh, Natasha Richardson. No kidding. Natasha Richardson. I'll to, yeah. I'll have to check it out. That sounds like a great cast. Who who directed that? Was that uh was that a Jodie Foster movie? No, it was I forgot the name of the guy. And then John Cusack's in it. And the way they do it is they do a little bit of narration. They kind of cheat. He plays yeah. a scientist on the project and they he kind of he's writing a journal and he so there's journal excerpts talking about they kind of fill in some stuff, but it's interesting to see from from the perspective of General Groves, and they, it covers a lot of the a lot of the same ground. It covers a lot of. The I'll same check ground. it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out just based on what you've just described. I'm gonna check you know, that Paul out. Paul Newman is yeah. really good in it. Paul Newman is really good, kind of obsessive and very uh, mm. you know. But uh, I checked it out from the L.A. County li- Library via my Canopy app. K n o p y. Nice. It's funny that you can tell this story from a number of perspectives. I think uh, there's a book out where they say the real guy was, um, you know, everyone's got their idea, but they said the real guy that was the mover on that was uh, the guy played by Josh Hartnett. Um, oh, Wilson, the, uh, Wilson, the, uh... yeah. Yeah. There's like a couple articles on that saying this, you know, there's a case to be made that he was the real mover on that. Oh, hey, by the way, I, I misidentified Josh Hartnett as a, as a, as a, uh, as a Hemsworth, uh, as a Hemsworth, I thought it was a Hemsworth, but it wasn't. I love it. He's not a Hemsworth. He's not a Hemsworth, <laughs> and he's not an Arquette. <laughs> I just uh, found out uh, watching this thing. You know, there was rumors floating around that Tarantino was going to direct a Star Trek movie, mm. and he had written a Star Trek movie, and mm. then it got passed on because they were going to try to do a sequel where Kirk's father, played by Chris Hemsworth comes out of the he's actually you would have it would have revealed that he tried to transport off the ship before it was blown up in the beginning of the star trek reboot and he was stuck in the buffer like scotty in that one episode of the next generation where scotty came back it was kind of the same thing and Mm, they were going to bring him back and then hemsworth had zero interest in it and neither neither did chris pine because they weren't going to pay him you said chris hemsworth (laughs) Are we sure it was Chris Hemsworth and not another one like Liam or no? It was no, Chris, it was, Hemsworth played him. It was, it was, it was Chris Hemsworth that's, was his dad. Yeah, that's the role that landed him Thor. Yeah. Ah. But here's was the thing. here's the thing, John. They were gonna yeah. re- the the movie he was gonna direct. You're like, why would Quentin Tarantino direct a movie? They were gonna do a takeoff on the episode, a piece of the action, 
where they went back oh. to that planet and they were all 1930s gangsters. They well, were, yeah, there you go. He they, would love that. They were going to do that. They were going to do that. And episode. I, and I think he wanted it to be an R, the first R rated uh, right. Star Trek movie. Right. Yeah. And he also wanted part of the reason they balked was he said, I didn't, you know, there were plenty of episodes where you didn't need all seven of the crew. He was just going to do Kirk McCoy, uh, McCoy and Spock. It was uh, going to be one of those where it was just like, you know, yeah. like where we're just going to focus hmm. on the main three. I still would have loved to have seen it. I would have loved to have seen it, it. That would have been fun. You know, you would think that at this point, especially since it's going to be his last movie, that anybody would just go, yeah, whatever you want. It's going to be his last one. No, it's going to be a. He was going to do it as be... a, he was going to consider it a side project, like four rooms ah. and not his actual 10th movie. So. Oh, that's interesting because I thought, geez, he's really going to go out with a Star Trek movie, and that's that's that makes sense. Yeah, he kind of, you know, you, know, you don't want to just. He gets, yeah. he gets to write his own rules, but I did see a video of Norm Macdonald doing a great Quentin Tarantino impression, and it made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> this movie doesn't count because uh, there wasn't enough. Four one out. Uh, yeah, four. Oh, one you can me. see him. You can see him changing his mind even down the line. You know. Uh, I get what he's, you know, what he's saying. He doesn't want to just, you know, he just wants to wrap it up and just take it easy from now on. But right. you can almost see him changing the rules if somebody gives him, you know, an opportunity to do something. Uh-huh. Uh, he is a huge Shatner guy, though. He said that's the whole reason that he loved Star Trek ah. was because of Shatner, and he's a huge fan Ooh. of. Uh, he's a f- huge fan of uh, Wrath of Khan. So he. Uh, well, there you go. He really you know. hated. Are uh, we all? He really hated Into Darkness. He said because you know. Why would you have Benedict Cumberbatch play Ricardo Montalban? You know, he's like, it's funny. It's funny because that's the first thing you and I said is like, what? What's the point? And second of all, you can't get somebody who's less like Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> right. 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 Why right. do it? Why do that story? There's a million stories. Why remake Wrath of Khan? Uh, did you start watching uh, Strange New Worlds yet, John? I have not because I think I need Paramount Plus, right? I think so. I think so. I mean, yeah. it might be on DVD soon. I'll have to pick it up for you. If, if... I'm starting to notice things turning up on DVD. <laughs> Almost everything eventually turns up on DVD except for Netflix stuff. Never turns up on DVD. Uh, I think Stranger Things did, right? Mm, that might be the exception. I think they did. This, I think the Daredevil from Netflix is on DVD. Yes, I did see Daredevil. Yeah. Daredevil. I'm still... <laughs> Daredevil. Yeah. I now think oh. that because of you, Mario. Now, when I pick up a Daredevil comic book in my head, it's going Daredevil. My kid. That's my kid. That was all my kid when she was little. Daredevil. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where I got that from. Um, wow. Did anyone see Blue Beetle? Is anyone gonna see Blue Beetle? Mm, I should be I out there. I heard it was good. I should be out there championing this. I mean, it's like a Ricardo Montalban situation with my dad. Got to support the Latinos. You know, got to get out there. Uh, I gotta see it. I've heard good things. I've heard good things. Who plays Blue Beetle? Uh, the kid from um from uh Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Yeah, Cobra Kai. Oh, Zolo Maridueña. Zolo. Yeah. Zolo, how is it? Uh, it should be like yeah, Zolo or Cholo. Zolo, Zolo Maridueña. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. Yeah, I've heard it's great. Uh, shout out to Billy Famine. Billy from the comic book shop was a huge. Huge Blue Beetle guy, R.I.P. Billy, man. He would be so happy to. He, that's where I used to hear about Booster Gold. I never knew about Booster Gold and Blue Beetle until. <laughs> until uh, <laughs> was, 
Yeah, was that DC? Yeah, 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 yeah. Booster Gold. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, Blue Blue Beetle knocked uh, Barbie out of the number one spot. That's kind of right. cool. Right. <laughs> I mean, it took like five weeks for something to knock it out, but it's kind of cool that Blue Beetle knocked out Barbie. <laughs> Got a six point eight IMDb, seventy seven on Rotten Tomatoes. Seventy seven, not bad. I'll take it. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, that's good for a DC movie. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> that's considered. That's probably one of the better DC movies. That's what I've heard. I've heard that uh, they're saying that's the thing. If it because this might be the last one under the old regime, I guess. Right? Is there anything left in the pipeline from the old DC regime? Isn't there an Aquaman know. coming? You're right. There's one more Aquaman, which I've never cared enough to go see an Aquaman movie, but you're right. There's one more coming, I think. Uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom apparently is coming out December 20th this year. So that might be the last shot. Well, I think the... uh, James Gunn is considering this part of the new ah, universe going forward. That'd be cool. I think he's because there's no tie in to anything in the current universe. Oh, okay. So, that uh, makes it good. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, good. So. Don't try and tie in every single movie to every other movie. We were just talking about well, Marvel does it too much. We were much. just talking about well, it's because you have to you feel like you have to do homework. And that, that's there's a little bit of, <laughs> there's a little there's a little bit of that with Ahsoka. If you've never seen Rebels, there's a little bit of that. You gotta you gotta kinda know what's going on. So uh I watched a like a twenty minute recap on YouTube mm -hmm. to get ready. Cause I wasn't going to watch all those episodes. I watched most of the clone wars, but I don't think I saw the whole thing. And I never saw more than like maybe a se one season of rebels. I think. Is it, uh, is it Rosario Dawson? Yes. What all right. I might have to check that out. What we're going to ask Jake. Now we're, we're, we're smart people. Right. And I feel like most people are Relatively. smart enough to where, you don't have to. We don't need to. We don't need to see it happen on screen. You can. Right. Well, you don't need to have every single moment happen on screen. In fact, it's kind of fun to like. You can use those as little surprises throughout the throughout you, the are, show. Are, are you talking movie, about you know? like we don't need to see like what every character is doing in between like the Star Wars movies, or we don't need to see? Are you talking about like show not tell, like that kind of like the storytelling where they say it's better to show something than. Then, then, then just you talk it out in dialogue. Do you, which one are you leaning towards there? A little bit of, a little bit of both. I think show and tell is great within the context of the singular show or movie, but it's like, it's almost, it's almost like you're just telling us go watch the previous movie or go watch this series. Otherwise you won't understand. Right. That that gets a little wearisome. I think that's where everybody is right now because they feel like every Marvel movie that comes out, they got to go back and do. It's like research. It's like research. Right. It's like, oh yeah, no, we'll tell you. Like, no, we told you about that in this later show. Now we're just going well, on. And once, we're not showing you anything. I think once Marvel started doing TV shows, I think that's really where it started to turn, because it, it got harder. It got harder yeah. because you can't watch everything and some stuff. You just don't. And at first, I think everybody wanted to watch it all to catch up, but then you watch something like Falcon and the Snowman, and you were like, well, that was kind of pointless. And so I just spent like eight weeks watching that. You know. And, uh, it's a glut. It's a glut. It makes it less special. It's kind of what was happening with the Star Wars movies. If there's one coming out like all the time, it makes it a little less special, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. Although, I know they want to strike while the iron's hot, but if there's too much of it out there, you just go, well, whatever. I don't need to see all of it. Right. But you do, or you're not going to understand where this. 
Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a big payoff too for all like the super fans and stuff who watch every single movie, who've read all the comics, who've seen all the short, like seen every little thing. So when they see a tiny little character that's in the background for like half a second, they're like, "Oh my god, that guy's from this one. That guy's from this one story that they wrote like thirty years ago." And right, they they like to. There should just be Easter eggs. Yeah, they they had they did a great job the first couple years of just putting that stuff in for the diehards in the in the periphery. You know, and it's not necessary that you know what happened. You know, yeah, in every single comic. You know, there's every show. Every show hinges on knowing that very that very small bit of information that becomes pivotal in the next show or like in the next movie. Question, guys. I I think we're yeah. all I think we're we're all at varying levels of superhero fatigue. John's actually <laughs> John John's actually yawning while we're talking about it. So I have a, definitely hit superhero fatigue. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think Hiddish less so. I think on a scale of people I know, Hiddish probably has less superhero fatigue than than I. I'm, right. I'm somewhere in the middle. But do you think the fact that you know we're coming up on stuff that's been shot and in the that was in the can already is it's all probably going to be released by the end of the year, and the strike is still going, so we could have no yeah. new material in like 2024. We could that's a, possible aside from like reality stuff or stuff written by scabs. Um, so or animated stuff, I think, are still going to be. Do you know? Because even even the animated uh, Spider Verse got pushed back because oh, of the, did it? because of the voice actors. Yes, mm, I believe it's because of the voice actors. I don't know if that's. But do you uh, that in the Animation Guild? Oh, maybe that's it because they're in, they're in in league with the they're in sympathy or they might be striking in sympathy with the uh, with league. The you make them sound like an evil criminal mastermind. Uh, so, you, or the, there will be, a, or it's the, or it's the Super Friends. Yeah, what it could be could be. So, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that will help with the superhero fatigue? You think that'll be yes, like, because it'll be like a palate cleanser. One way or the other, you're gonna have you're gonna have some time without it, and that might get people excited again when it comes back. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's just been a glut of it, and really, I think I'm pretty late as far as getting superhero fatigue. I think it came late. I remember friends complaining years ago, "God, enough already!" And I'm like, eh, "As long as they're good." And I think this year I'm like, all right, yeah, I think <laughs> I've hit the wall. It's hard to, you know, once in a while you get a good one, but a lot of it just seems yeah, but, like by the numbers, but you know. And every once in a while they'll throw you that across the Spider-Verse and you're like, holy cow. Right. And then you realize what you can do if you try something new. You go, okay, go a little bit, you know, take something that's a little fresher approach, you know. Right. Uh, what are you guys gonna miss most next year? What 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 are you what are you sad you're, is going away that you're not gonna be able to uh, to catch for like another year? Is there any show in particular where you're like shit? I'm gonna be bummed out or a movie. I'm I'm sad that Spider Verse got pushed back. I think I that one's kind of a bummer because uh, that's probably the most refreshing superhero film out there. Right. But I mean, my I I don't know if the writer strike is going to be enough to get rid of the superhero fatigue because especially with Marvel films, they're not doing anything that's really a good story or unique or creative. And a lot of the newer movies lack a lot of depth and it's not enjoyable. And that's kind of why I've just been pushed away from it 
When are we going to have the first AI movie? Like, when are they just going to put out a... No. It's going to have so many copyright strikes on it <laughs> that... Cause they have I'm sure pull, somebody's they have working pull, on it. Um, they have to pull from them like uh like a certain like a uh, pool of data that they feed the ai right so no matter how hard they no matter how hard you try with ai there's always going to be there's probably going to be some copywritten material within it so ah, but, but even the look of it if something was 100 percent ai i think at this point it wouldn't look that great maybe no, five no, no, ten years no, no, down no, no. the road I'm not, I'm not talking about filming it i'm talking i'm talking about writing it a first AI. oh writing it oh sure yeah yeah I'm sure somebody's working on that right now. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, that's not ideal, but I'm sure they can pull that off quicker than directing one 100% with AI. You know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'm killing the mic, but that was hilarious. I'm looking forward to it, man. I want to see. I want to see what Skynet entertains us with before it, it, it cuts off our power supply. I at think this it will point, it'll bring it'll bring some I bring probably some fresh ideas at least just by No, no, no. It's I, AI is the antithesis of fresh ideas. You've got it's regurgitating whatever you've loaded into the uh, you know, into it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's my opinion. If you give a monkey enough time, it can write Mozart. What's that? What's that Shakespeare. whole Shakespeare? Yeah, but it takes like a thousand years or something yeah, or a hundred thousand years. John, look but it's AI. Just send it through billions of iterations and you know what? It'll come up with something original eventually. You're barking up the wrong tree if you think I'm not gonna be the guy that thinks this is a great idea. But John, I didn't like self driving cars. But, so I'm I'm not the guy that's going to be all, yeah, bring it on, AI movies. But, you know? John, but John, yeah. I would argue that Hollywood is doing that anyway with the help of AI, without the help of AI. You're right. They In are. a way, they are. But d- don't go the other direction. <laughs> you know, you're going in the other direction. I'm bitching about, you know, CGI effects looking shitty. Don't go in the other direction. Go, now we're going to let the computer do all of it, look, even writing John, it. John, look at, never gonna... look at my arms. Look at my arms. Yeah. This is how you need to welcome yeah. the future. Open yeah. arms, baby. I, open arms baby. I know. I'm in the minority. I got friends that are like, yeah, self-driving cabs. I'm all for it. It's like, really? A self-driving cab? In, in, you know, like what they're doing in San Francisco right now. You must have an opinion on this, Adesh. John, there's a reason I say thank you, Siri, every time I ask her for something, okay? Yeah. I'm in the minority. For the future. I know. You're not, John, you're not, because a lot of the people who are using AI to do creative things like copy voice actors to steal artwork from artists to uh, use the ability to copy someone's song and put somebody else's voice over it with AI is horrible and it's causing huge losses and profit efforts and it's demeaning the hard efforts of a lot of people who are creative types so you go patrick no, you go there is nothing oh, wrait wrong wait with a minute it. wait a minute absolutely oh, so creative types creative AI types are not going to like it wonderful <laughs> but there is a lot of issues right now in the ai industry and how the fact that it's not regulated to protect those who make their money doing these things so now you like profits <laughs> oh Jesus! If we're gonna Christ. create AI, AI to be able to come up with original <laughs> ideas, we're that much closer to artificial, and they're that much closer to sentient artificial intelligence, and that's that's scary. I'm okay with that. Mm. I, we had a good run. We had a good run. Look, <laughs> look, look at look what happened. What happened this weekend in California? What happened over the weekend? We had a hurricane come right up to our borders, and thankfully. Uh, our borders, our, our borders are closed, 
unlike the Republicans say, because I think that's the only thing that really stopped the hurricane from coming in as a hurricane was our closed borders, right? Thank you, Joe Biden. Uh, we only got a tropical storm. But obviously this I'm climate... Was, I'm surprised the hurricane was so respectful and abiding by our borders. Right, well, nice. listen, I watched I watched a Rodan movie the other day. The, mo- the movie Rodan from 19... 19- <laughs> God, I love it. From 19... 19- <laughs> I love that this went to Rodan. From 1956, they mentioned global warming. In 1956... Yeah. We were already yeah. talking about this. We've ignored this for 70 years. 70 years mm. we've ignored it, and now we're paying the price, and people still want to deny it. You know what, AI? Do what you need to do. Like, vent us all into space like Battlestar Galactica, because seriously, like, we, we had a good run. We had a chance, and we screwed it up. We screwed it up! You're like right. we always do. Yeah, from that point of view, I get what you're saying from that point of view. It's like the Carlin thing. George Carlin used to say that, you know, the, the planet's going to shake us off like a couple of fleas and then it'll be fine. You right. know, right. we're like, we are the disease, you know. Right. right. We're the invasive species. Right. 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 So 100%. Hiddish, you must have an opinion on, on AI. He drives, yeah, a, yeah. he drives a Tesla. What are you talking about? Well, so go. I want to hear what his opinion is. It seems a little counter to what I'm hearing here, though. Um, well, no, I mean, yeah, but you don't have to, yeah. you know, <laughs> go no, no, ahead. So, so AI is a form of technology. How you deploy that technology is what we're all upset about. For mm. example, if I sat there and I told you, hey, we're going to make 200 mansion movies in the span of like four years, <laughs> you'd be like, well, why are you being so, so derivative, right? <laughs> and yet, and yet... <laughs> And yet we're saying AI is derivative. And I'm like, well, you know, everything and, you know, it's very hard to, to have something new. Um, and I don't know if AI will do any worse than, than what we're doing now as, you know, biological thinkers. Mm. So, wow. I do, There's I do, the term I do, biological thinking. Wow. <laughs> That's the first, I'm going to mark this. The first time I heard that biological thinking. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm not, I'm not, you know, you, you know me, I don't hate any actor. I don't, I'm not going to hate AI mm. uh, because it does, it does what you ask it to do within the parameters that you specify. It's just a matter of, is it going to be creative? I don't think it will be. And that's what I lament more than anything else. Now, when you get to the legalese of, of denying other people pay, I mean, do you really think the people that made the second Haunted Mansion movie deserve something? <laughs> <laughs> It's already a problem. Like Mario said, it's already that's already a problem. That's real people. Yeah. Well, to that point, to right. that point, are those writers were they not given parameters and trying to make something within those parameters? Mm, interesting. These are the yeah. questions we're so, going to wrestle with. Are they not doing the same thing that they would ask the AI to do? That is true. Well, Hiddish, so I, what you're saying is it's like a tool. It's a tool like any other tool, and. That's what uh, John, I remember John Lasseter saying that like 30 years ago with Toy Story. He said, it's just a tool. You don't like say, okay, computer spit out a great animated movie. It still takes a lot of work. It's just another tool, like a crayon or a paintbrush. Yeah. But so, this seems a little more limiting as far as it just appears to be a little more limiting as far as the creativity involved. But I guess it's just another tool. Yeah. Unfortunately, what I see, and this is just my thinking right now, um, it's going to, it, you know, when the adoption happens, and I, I'm not going to deny that it's going to happen. I think people are raging against it, and they should rage against it as long as they can. When the mm. adoption happens, it'll happen, and then you'll replace reality TV with AI-generated TV, which I don't think is getting worse. 
<laughs> it may be an improvement because I hate reality TV. Mm. And then we're going to get to the point where we have specific artists that say, I'm not going to do an AI movie. Like, I'm not going to direct it. I'm not going to act in it. I'm not going to mm. do things. And people will go, yeah, I like it this way. Wes Anderson has specific things. You know, Christopher Nolan has specific things that they like to do. And people has to will be filmed. gravitate yeah. towards it. Yeah. Or they won't. You know, it's funny. We talk about natural selection, but AI is part of natural selection, right? Some people will like it. It'll be good to make McDonald's commercials with it, but it may not be good for high art. Like I said, in the end, though, the real legalese problem is, you know, um, uh, how it gets deployed, right? How many, how many people are going to be enhanced by it and how many people are going to be, uh, is it going to be detrimental to? And I, I, I see the problem. It's going to be detrimental to more people than enhancing people. So I think what scares the actors is, you know, this whole thing, it hasn't been ironed out yet. If they get my, the rights to my image and now they can crank out 10 movies with my image because I signed a contract and they don't need me, all they have to do is feed it, you know, into the AI, you know, um, I think that's the reason they're striking is they're like maybe 10, 20 years down the line, they don't even need me. All they need is, you know, yeah, all they need like to do I, is scan me, you know? Yeah. Well, they're just again, saying they like it's like a product. That's what they need to do. It's like a name image licensing deal. Right. And that's okay. what I'm sure what they're working on right now. And that yeah. could take a year to hammer out because I know that that's what the actors are afraid of is, uh, and even like the extras, the people that are striking that are extras or just day players, they say, look, they want to do this with extras, scan all the faces in the crowd. They don't need the extras again. They've got us in the machine. Next time they need a crowd of people, they just use that, that one image and, you know, scramble it up. So it looks different. So I'm kind of curious because I, I really haven't paid a great deal of attention to it. But like, isn't that what like residuals are about? Hey, I'm in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Times that's times one of the reasons they're also fighting so hard is the residuals they're getting are next to nothing. Yeah. So hmm. there's a way to share the money if the tool makes it cheaper to make, right? Hmm. So Robert Downey Jr. You have, you have to make them twenty million. <laughs> we'll take 18 million just yeah. to stay home and scan his face and he gets residuals or whatever right it's still your name your image your likeness right nil is what they use in college right with licensing and marketing and all that stuff maybe you need to do that well yeah as usual the least plays out i think as, as usual the people that are making a lot of me already it's not really as big a problem for them the problem is going to be for the people that just have bit parts and if you scan a guy you know uh, just is like doing character parts. It's a bigger problem for him because his paycheck's small to begin with. Right, right. So your Tom Cruises, they're going to be the last ones to worry because there's a lot of money coming in already. You know, what they uh, need, that's a very good point. What they need to do is have a contract. You would have to have a contract for every actor, every actor, like background actors, even like someone like Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher had for Star Wars. Either you sign away your likeness, right? Because, like, they, they talk about the original Star Wars cast talks about that, right? They never made a penny on licensing their themselves. They got, like, a one-time, like, $10,000 or whatever. And then there's Princess Leia on a shampoo bottle and a Pez dispenser. <laughs> and they didn't get, you know. You know, her, what yeah. did she say? She says, well, I get up in the morning and brush my teeth. I got to pay George Lucas, you know, 20 bucks. Right, right. Know? Shampoo my hair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
So he didn't make they didn't make any money on that, right? So that was like that was kind of like a, a precursor to what you're seeing now. But yeah. the the idea that you can and and let's let's be straight, Hollywood's doing that already. Like we we watch a show called sure. we watch a show called Winning Time. Hiddish and I are watching that. And when you go behind the scenes, they recreate like the forum from the '80s. And when you see mm. how they do it, they have like a ground floor. There's a few actors in there, and then they just fill the rest of the the arena in with like digital digital images of people. Right, mm, right. So it's it's not like so you have a crowd. It's not like they're not doing it already. But what they, yeah, but that's like yeah. that's tiny figures in the background. What they want now is background actors doing background performances, you know, on screen, po- possibly speaking parts using scanned voices and scanned images, and that's where the problem is because that's usually like you get paid by oh. certain lines. That's why in like a sitcom sometimes. You'll have three or four actors, and there'll be like a waiter or waitress that comes up to the table, and they drop something off, and they don't say a word, and it's because that's a non-speaking part, right? That the, the residuals for that are different than if they had come up and said, "Well, can I take your order?" Then that's a speaking role, so you get a different. The residuals are all, you know, so it's like a way to get rid of having to pay all that money out, right? Yes, sir. Right. You, you, you raise your hand. I like this. This is very yeah, organized. Let me, let me add. Let me add a wrinkle to this because what you're saying is totally true. Let's talk about the fact that this uh, strike is with U.S. Uh, artists. Right now, I heard that uh, House of the Dragon is still filming, and they can film because it's all international actors. Ah, right. And so, what you know? Who's to say that they will um, not use foreign? actors in an AI role. Oh, mm. that's true. Give them, give them give them an American accent. Give them whatever. Right. I mean, true. Uh, yeah. Kind of expand on this legal ease. It needs to not be just the US of SAG AFTRA, et cetera. It needs to be everyone. I feel mm. like I feel like that's why there has been such a slow response on the side of the studios to bring this to an end because they probably figure you guys are fucked anyway because we can go over here and we'll just scan this crowd, scan this actor, like Hiddish said. You know, who knows what they're capable of at this point? Are they capable of just, you know? Well, it's AI. Right. You <laughs> they're know. capable of anything. They can shade in different colors of on faces if they want. Right, right. Hmm. Well, guys, uh, I, for one, welcome our new robotic masters. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, what I will say is this all started back in the nineties when they had Fred Astaire dancing with a dust buster. <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it Fred Astaire? Or was it, uh, uh, was it was Fred Astaire with a uh, vacuum cleaner and his widow gave the okay. And that was, this is where this all started. It's like, he's dead, but we're going to do it. We're going to have him dancing with a vacuum cleaner. And uh, then the next one was, I think, it was like Groucho and Cary Grant hanging out with Paula Abdul having a Pepsi in a club. And they're like, okay, slippery slope. I guess if you get the relative's permission, the estate <laughs> the estate of Cary Grant says, go ahead, right. stick him in a Pepsi commercial, right. you know. Paula Abdul, baby. Money. Money. Money, money, money. What about, uh, what about Mark Hamill in uh, The Mandalorian? He made a return as right, uh, Skywalker. Right. Or, or Carrie Fisher. had a physical actor and then just plastered a, a face on there. Or Carrie Fisher yeah. in, uh, mm-hmm. in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess and now in both cases, they needed permission, right? They needed permission. They, they, they had to give their okay, right? 
Well, with Carrie Fisher, I'm not sure sure who they got the permission from, but Mark Hamill's still alive. Right. Right. Because what I heard is that, like, Carrie Fisher's family, like the daughter, whoever was handling her affairs, gave the okay. And the same with Peter Cushing. I think, like, the daughter said, we'll let you put his face over this other guy's body, you know. Or whatever it was. When they did the young Grand Moff Tarkin, I forget how they did it, but they, they gave the okay to do his That was his my likeness. favorite, uh, that was my favorite, uh jim henson show <laughs> grandma jim Tarkin. henson's baby grandma Tarkin. <laughs> uh they uh you well they they did it way back in um in phantom menace not phantom menace in uh attack of the clones you had christopher lee's face plastered on a younger guy doing all the sword fighting oh the count dooku stuff yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah. 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 where's it Indeed. dooku and deepfake technology is getting really, it's getting better and better by the day. Well, you know, there's going to be a point where you're not even going to be able to notice the difference between you, in a, uh, Indiana Jones. You, you could tell that it was a, it was a de-aged Indiana Jones or de-aged right. Harrison Ford. But like John said, aside from the fact that everything else looked like a video game, Harrison Ford actually looked pretty good. Like I was like, wow, this technology has really come a long way. It, it mm-hmm. looks like he's actually acting. You can tell a little bit. There's still a little bit of the uncanny valley with the eyes, but uh, it looked better than it looked better than that. Carrie, that that ten seconds of Carrie Fisher in Rogue One, you know, looked pretty bad even back then. But now, and that you, was like four seconds. Yeah. Now, now a few years later, you can have Harrison Ford in like a twenty minute sequence and go. Yep, that looks like Harrison Ford. Like, this looks like it could have been shot. If it wasn't for all the CGI, this looks like this could have been shot in the late 80s sometime. You know, it, it was it was kind of cool. It I was, think, yeah, you're you're right. And Scorsese said it's really comes down to money and how much time you've got. Because, like, for the Irishman, they had to de-age all of them. You know, De Niro and uh, Pesci and uh, Al Pacino. And he said it took forever. It was very expensive. But the more time they spent on it, the better it started looking. So he said, "It's just a, mm-hmm. at this point, it's really labor intensive, you know, right. processing do you, power." Do you guys yeah. remember? It was for the recent um, Matrix movie, the trailer that they had for it. No, or Tell they us had, about it. or no, it was a, it was a tech demo for the for the Matrix movie. No, what was that? And it was showing some of the new technology that they have, and I think it was also. Um, highlighting unreal engine five and it's like technology is getting to the point where it's getting harder and harder to distinguish you know like cgi from real life like even just looking at even just watching the video for a second you're not entirely sure if you're what you're looking at is real or not until you actually like really like sit and take a look at it and it's getting it's it's getting pretty crazy i feel like i feel like i wonder if like people like my age, Hiddish's age, John's age, who kind of grew up and watched the transition. We watched the transition from blue screen to CGI. We remember the early CGI stuff in like Young Sherlock Holmes or the Abyss. Bingo. Or, or, Bingo. or the, the water tentacle in the Abyss. and yep. or, or things like Terminator 2. We know that if you give it 10 years and you look back, you go, oh, it's, it's glaringly obvious. You always knew it was a special effect, but then you look back... 10 years and things have advanced and you go, Oh, this is glaringly obvious. It looks so crappy now, right? 20, 30 years down the line. Are we going to be able to, are we going to have a harder time or an easier time spotting that stuff 
than people who are behind us, like Patrick and Jake, like that age. The old, uh, I think the old timers will go. That doesn't look quite right. And the rest of the the rest of the planet's gonna go. You know, the younger people. Gee, that's great. I'm officially old. The younger people. I said. Yeah. Um, I think at a certain. You're right. Certain age, you're like, eh, doesn't the eyes doing something? And maybe people a little younger are just gonna go. I don't see a difference because they've been looking at good CGI for a long time now. Maybe, but you're right. You're right. We kind of, I know I got to say this for Mario and Hiddish. Uh, what did you think about the wonders of practical makeup and lighting in Oppenheimer? You're looking at Robert Downey Jr. Going, that's pretty good old age makeup. And you're going this, you know, it wasn't CGI. That was makeup and lighting. Well, we were were saying we didn't recognize Emily Blunt for a good, like 30 minutes. I'm like, Oh shit, that's Emily Blunt. Like, I, and that's makeup. Right. <laughs> I know they got a makeup artist and, and they lit it well. And even like Matt Damon, you're going, gee, this is pretty believable. And they didn't, this is just done on the set with makeup, you know? Right. Right. There's still something. It goes to show it, it can be done, <laughs> you know, but again, Probably. time, money. Uh, I know. I know. What does it cost to get a makeup man? You get a guy like John Chambers. Yeah, you're right. It's got to be cheaper to do Planet of the Apes without John Chambers watch, baking watch, 50, uh, uh, you know, latex rubber <laughs> appliances. You watch know. the beginning of 2001, 1968. That's still some of the best ape makeup I've ever seen. Like, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Neanderthals in that are, it's great. Absolutely. Uh, the only thing that ruins is when they show a close up, you can see it's a mask, you see the eyes. But when yeah. they do it from far away, you know, he had mimes doing the work. It looks like those could be, that could be, you know, it's very close to what, what, uh, yeah, because you know, Kubrick's fanatical, you know, it had to look right. You, they probably did that a billion times, you know, right. And even the spaceships for what little movement there is compared to like now, uh, that stuff really holds up. You watch 2001, all the stuff looks it's to me, it still looks pretty damn good. And my God, you're talking like more than 50 years ago. Sure. Uh, I got another question. Go ahead, sir. Right now we're concerned with writers and actors, right? Um, but was there, and this is my ignorance, I'm just asking to understand, um, was there ever any kerfuffle regarding um, industry supporters, like makeup artists, things like that, that now we go to CGI because it's cheaper, it's faster, it looks just as good. Was there ever anything at that transition inflection point? I don't think I remember so. Rick Baker. Oh, I, ahead, I don't think there was, there was never a, I'm sorry, Mario. No, go ahead. There was never a, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. The only thing I ever heard was like Rick Baker. He kind of said, there's not going to be any way around it. I'm going to have to get very, uh, what he does. He learned all that stuff. And he said, now, now I can do both. You do something like nutty professor or that Wolfman movie way back when with, uh, Benicio del Toro. He said, he said, it helped that I knew how to do both. I could show them on a computer how the, the practical makeup was going to look. They wanted to do part practical makeup and part computer for the transitions. And he said, he was more like, I'm just going to have to learn to do it because people want it. So he says, now I can say, I can go either way. I can help you do the digital or I can do the on the set uh, appliances. Yeah, I don't remember anybody striking or, or raging outrage, but he just said, you know, we're going to have to get on board because there's no going back. I would prefer to do, you know, hands-on makeup. But he said, I knew that I would have to, he said, I just learned, I got ahead of the curve and I learned how to do some of this on computer so I could do both. Whatever they need, I can do it. Yeah. But that's I all I remember. Slippery slope right there. CGI was a slippery slope. The thing, you know, the, the thing with makeup guys like, like Rick Baker, when we say makeup, we're talking like, you know, prosthetics and, 
you know, monster makeup and things like the thing with those guys though, is those guys tend to, they're able to kind of, uh, like, like Rick Baker said, those guys always seem to be able to adopt to the, whatever the trend is. They always seem to be able to, to kind of adopt to the, you look at guys like Douglas Trumbull and all the guys that did like Dykstra and all the guys that did the early special effects. Right. And then you had green screen coming in, which was, you know, better than blue screen. You had green screen coming in. Those guys all seem to be able to adapt to that. I feel like those guys just by they're they're kind of, um, you know, they're part forward thinkers. They are. They're part engineer. They've got like a lot of them have like that kind of background. Uh, so I feel like they can adopt easier, I think, to, the- and they want to be on the, they want to be on the cutting edge, right. you know, if there's a better way to make a head explode, they want to be in on right. it. So right. you know, the way these, the way these guys talk, they're like, well, I just want it to look real. So, you know, they get a little sentimental, but you know, Rick Baker says, gee, you know, Jack Pierce came up with the, the most famous makeup of all time, the Frankenstein monster, you know? And he said, geez, by the, by the 40s, they were already saying, you can't, we can't spare five hours. We're going to have to do like a rubber appliance. You know, he was doing like a buildup every morning. It took like five hours. He said, even then, they're like, can you do it faster? Can you do it cheaper? You know? Right. So he, he, he knows his makeup history. He says, gee, even then, they're going, there's got to be a quicker way, you know? Right. That's why Glenn Strange yeah. looks terrible as the most. right right because by that time it's almost a rubber mask and you're just going okay karloff looks great but who's going to shell out for five hours worth of makeup every day that's you know? why you got to go full yeah. full rubber like godzilla just get it. <laughs> full rubber is there going uh, to be a return to rubber in the in the movie let's hope so what they used to call that the the shorthand was guy a guy in a rubber suit with a zipper up the back like uh that was the thing with um, with with Alien. Alien said, we just don't, Ridley Scott said, I just don't want it to look like there's a zipper in the back. However, we do this Alien. He said, that's why we put it in the shadows. You know, that was all, that was a guy in a suit, but he said, we did it in the shadows because I didn't want somebody looking for the zipper in the back. Right. You know? it, it was it was made of fucking trash bags. That, that, the alien well, it looked great. Movie. I mean, that's a triumph of lighting and design because mm-hmm. it looks it looks incredible. And uh, you barely see it. The first movie, you're barely getting a look at it, you know. The wall panels, right. the wall panels were made with um, those like styrofoam to go boxes. That you're right. It works though. You're right. Yeah, I think James Cameron was like gluing a McDonald's styrofoam Big Mac. Uh, or what, what? No, that was Battle Beyond the Stars. But I get what you're saying. It, it's, it's very like cheap. Those yeah. Three. It's like those little three like compartment to go boxes. And like, like egg crates. Just, yeah. Egg, yeah, and they just like put them up there and they arrange them and they have artists come in and add extra details and stuff. A lot of it is lighting. If you can get away with that, with the lighting, more power to you. But by the time they did the second Alien movie, now they got a budget. (laughs) We got a big budget now. So go ahead and build me one, you know. Right. Speaking of big... And they had Bill Paxton. And they had Bill Paxton always to carry. Because you're watching him. You're watching him. You're not watching the background. Game over, man. Uh, <laughs> I got a little dick. It's pathetic. <laughs> oh, man. He's so great. Now, there's a fearless actor. So Where was he better in? True Lies or Alien? True, oh, True Lies, oh, man. True Lies is always the... true. Just for the... Uh, that was what, the Zinna, what about there. the husbands? Dickless. If they were taking care of business, I'd be out of business. Come on. How do you not love I love that. Dickless. <laughs> uh, the... How about the husband? <laughs> oh, man. I think he peaked in weird science now. Oh, yeah. 
dude. What a great line. He he peaked in weird science. (laughs) Bill Paxton, R.I.P. Great line. R.I.P. to Bill Paxton, because he could do something like that, and then do something like in Tombstone, where you really feel for him when he's, you know, when he's dying in Tombstone. You're like, oh my god, like. This guy, you know, he could do anything. There's a guy that should have lived to be 90. He'd still be making movies, you know? Oh yeah. How do you not love him? I mean, that was, uh, just horrific. I mean, what, what was it? Was that a heart attack or what was it? I believe he had a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. There's a guy that just should have been, he should have been like John Carradine cranking him out at like 90, you know? Yeah. Well, cause he could do anything. He could be funny. He could do uh, do drama. He was, uh, the great Bill Jackson, man. Good stuff. 11 days after heart surgery. Oh. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, so good. Oh, man. That's horrible. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. We got kind of misty-eyed over well, Bill it's, Paxton. Well, dude, it's because you know, who doesn't love Bill Paxton, man? Come on. Everybody loves Bill Paxton. Come on. Who didn't, who didn't cry during the old yeller? Oh. I cried like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about uh, what, what movie did, did we all watch Bowfinger? Yep. Finger. Yep. Yep. I kept thinking there'll be one person who thought it was world <laughs> world. What was it? The uh I did watch I World is Not the, Enough. I, I wanted to do enough. we'll we'll do that one next week while Justine's in the Oh no, she's gonna have to watch it. No, she won't be back. Okay. How long is she in, in the Philippines? We can wait. Wow. Oh. Is, is everything cool? Is it just a family visit or is it uh uh, her grandma passed, so they, oh, um, wow. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Justine. We love you, we do. Yeah, I hope yeah. the family's okay. Uh, yeah. so I'm you're okay. you're just holding down the fort, huh? Yep, me and the dogs. All right, dude, we're gonna it's just us, we're gonna tear that place up. Yep, on Sunday, I'm gonna blow up that toilet. Mm-hmm. We have a guest one, don't worry. <laughs> I thought you don't like to drop anchor it's in just, foreign it, waters, Mario. It is just had to go on a road trip with me, dude. I will drop anchor anywhere if I need to. Just don't upper deck it. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't leave an upper decker in my toilet. Oh, God. I'm gonna upper deck it and then circle the bases like Mookie Betts, baby. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you the low five on the way out the door. Oh, like Mookie. Like Mookie. Like Mookie to Dino Ebel, just give you the low five. Crouch down. Charming, <laughs> Charming to the last. I love not this, guys. How uh, you're going to love it. You are going Patrick to. Patrick Saul, this is my you house. Should be, you should feel so lucky as to get an upper decker from the Mario. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> from our Mario from the Superiority <laughs> Complex. Thank you. That's so uh, that's so repulsive. <laughs> I will have nothing but Burrito Brothers starting Friday. Until Sunday, and then I would love nothing more than my friends to come over and upper deck. <laughs> First of all, I don't have that kind of uh perching power, I'm not a pterodactyl, I'm not a p- <laughs> I don't, I don't have that strength in my glutes. You don't have that, you don't have that gluten core strength, yeah. No, I don't have that glute strength, dude. I'll just fall right off. This is where this is where guys day this is where guys day shines right here. There you go. <laughs> this yeah, is where all the girls go. What the wait, hell wait, did you do? Wait, 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 I was waiting for it. My, I was my, waiting for it. My to toes will have to curl around the bowl like a velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> Hold myself up. That and then, grip strength. And that's, then if he's that's got grip strength. And then if he's got some kind of 
medicine cabinet or something above the the bowl, then I'm going to be really in trouble because I got to <laughs> curve my back. Yeah. yeah. At least you'll be able to clean yourself with the bidet. Okay. Oh my this god. Is a, this is great imagery here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. an Asian it's household, a... so you know there is a hose with a uh, faucet on there for you. Buddy. Nice, man. I love it. And nice and clean. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get up in there. Yep, yep. Love yep. it. You're welcome. Do you have the floor? Do you have, the, you have a floor bidet where I have to squat over it? No, but I get you a squatty potty if you want one. Oh, yes, bro. Please. Get you power. Make it easier for when you got to squat over the bowl. Oh, man. This is, this is sounding like a... Do you need a roommate till the 31st? Because this is sounding like uh, this is sounding like heaven you know, to me. We hook it up here. We make sure you're taken care of. That's I all I gotta it. say. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. I'll, Your I'll, time I'll, is very I'll, considerate. I'll stay with you for a week. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll why don't you have Jake over? That. You guys could be yeah. bacheloring it up right now. I gotta tell you, Jake, twice a week. That's good enough. Jake, would you do the uh, would you do the moose calls at two in the morning? I I absolutely would. Yeah, two o'clock in the morning. Would you say to Would you say to Patrick, what is it? Is it the cook, the cooking, the cleaning, the crying? Yeah, it's the cooking, the cleaning, the crying. On August twentieth, <laughs> on August twentieth, Jake Willard was asked to leave his place of residence. This request <laughs> came from his brother. <laughs> He found himself at the doorstep of Patrick McCain, who can can two unmarried men live alone and not kill each other? (laughs) (laughs) So that'd be Tony Randall as Jake and uh, Walter Matthau as Patrick. Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. Remember to use your coasters. We're going to, we're going to pass. Is that what that was? I think I just bet it. And then we'll just throw John Sandy in there for funsies. Oh my God! Can yeah. you imagine? Uh huh. I'll be um, I'll be Murray the cop. I'll move in for a week under one condition: I need to get one hug a day. That's it. That's all I ask. No, just no, one. definitely that, not. That's definitely right out not. of the, that's right out of the Odd Couple. <laughs> that's right out of the Odd Couple. Look, let me tell you guys, Hiddish and I drove. What was our what was our total mileage on that trip, Hiddish? Uh, it's like 900 miles. We were 900 miles in two days, Jesus. two and a half days. Uh, we did not kill each other. We did not even come close. We had a great time. Good for you. That was guys. the point, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. We were in a car. We didn't even have the, we couldn't even get away from each other. Yeah, but you guys are tight. You know what I mean? Well, what, there's, just, so, there's no, you've known, you've known each other so long. There's no surprises. I know? don't want to say we're tight, but we did. We, the room had two beds and we only used one. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, That's all I'm going to say. Here we go again. <laughs> That's pretty tight. That's pretty tight. Too tight. I sleep in a chair, you guys. I sleep in a chair. It is just all, this conversation is over. <laughs> Everybody's an adult. I sleep in a chair, you guys. I, you, yeah, I can't comment on Mario's unrequited love. That's right. Okay. I do sleep in a chair, and also, uh, it was hot out there. <laughs> there was no chair there was no there was no time for shenanigans. I wanted to be as far away from everybody as possible. <laughs> shenanigans. It was, so hot. it was so hot out there. It was gross. Uh, I don't know how you did it. I don't easy. know how you did it. Easy. I was sweating just thinking about you it. Well, did. you had AC. Yeah, you have, and then the, the you have AC, and then you you can vent the windows from the hotel room. He's like, let yeah. me let me vent the car. You get down there, the oh, car would already, air the car. The car would already be air conditioned and vented and ready to go. I was that was a mind blower when Hitter said about how you turn on the AC from from the uh, 
from the hotel. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Like, right. That's like, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, it was great, man. I'm not, not going to lie. That's the, cl- that's the closest you're going to get to being Mr. Freeze. Almost. It's like every room I walk into, I'm just going <laughs> to ch- Already chill. That's right. Ice chill to meet out. you. Ice to meet you. Yeah. I, would, I would say this. Um, we were able to handle Phoenix, I think, fairly well. But I wouldn't want to stay there because, you know, two days is one thing. Uh, two weeks would be something else. Yeah, we had three hours on one morning that got taken up by Oppenheimer. And then it was charge the car, Pollo Loco, back to the hotel to hide for three hours until it was time to go to the game where we just had the, yeah, we just, you know, take so a little, every move, every move is like sheltering in place to keep cool. Right. I guess. Right. That's the yeah. only way to survive in Arizona. Right. Is just yeah. migrate from AC to AC or go from AC to and, pool. And then a lot AC. of the, like Hiddish pointed out, a lot of the larger spaces, like the mall where the movie was, the theater was cold, but the mall itself was just, it's air conditioned. Not hot. It was air conditioned just to be not hot. So it's not yeah. cold. It's just like, well, it's not hot in here. It's just kind of like, Ugh. that's the best you're going to get. Yeah, it's the best you're going to get. That's we're going to get. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. right. The, the stadium was definitely that way. Uh, Chase Field was definitely not hot. It just wasn't, but there's no breeze blowing. There's no, mm-hmm. every once in a while the air conditioner would kick on. You'd feel a little bit of a breeze. You'd be like, oh my God, there it is. But it was just more about being not hot than it was about being cool. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. That's the new, that's the new, that's what we're looking at in the next couple decades. That's the way the whole country is going. Right. Let's all get in the swimming pool and it's 85 degrees. Is your pool heated? Mm. Nope. It's just hot. Great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you yeah, if you swim off the coast of Florida, it's a hundred degrees in the water. Ugh. All right, let's talk this about is it. the way. Now we're in a good. This is the way. Now we're in a good mood. Let's all talk about Bowfinger. He's he a man. loves bows. He's a man. He loves only bows. Man with a mind. He loves bows. Now this is a special form of torture for Patrick, but also Patrick, this is the last Steve Martin movie in our retinue. Thank God. Can we uh, take a quick break real quick? Do you need to go pee-pee? Yeah, I can go potty. Okay, let's reconvene in five minutes. Five minutes. Okay. Give right. a second. Sunk minute. Sunk minute. All right, we'll be right back. Five minutes. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Bowfinger. We'll be back after these messages. We are back. We are back. Sans Hiddish with a. We lost Hiddish at the break. He had to get on a meeting. He had to get. A, he was working. He's got to get a meeting, a uh, virtual meeting there. That's how they operate. And so uh, he's not going to be talking about the important things that we're talking about. Of course, he's going to be talking about boring stuff like engineering. But uh, yes. we have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we of course. I like Jake's uh, noise there. We have, we of course uh, we are talking Bowfinger. Patrick, take it away with Bowfinger, baby. Alrighty. Bowfinger released on... Sorry, hold on. I had it up. Uh, August 13th, 1999. Ooh. Uh, directed by Frank Oz. Uh, screenplay written by uh, some asshole named Steve Martin. Uh, got a 6.5 wow. on IMDb and 81% on Rotten Tomatoes with a budget of $55 million gross worldwide. What? Comedy legend Steve Martin 
Thank you, Mario. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say this made $150 million. John? What was the budget? $55 million USD. I, th- I, you know, I think this was a hit, but I can't remember. I didn't see this in the theater. Um, I'll say it made uh, eighty. Jake, uh, let's go hundred. This was something of a comeback for Eddie Murphy. Uh, closest without going over, John at a ninety-eight point six million dollars. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Not a bad chunk and change. Chunk of change. Uh, yeah, this is kind of a comeback for Eddie Murphy. This is a this is a this is one of the few hits he had in between, like you know, uh, Daddy Daycare. Yeah, what, that wasn't like a kids movie. Yeah, it was like a little bit of a comeback for him. And it was a weird pairing. You would have never thought to pair the two, but it worked. It worked very well. So not no one. Had yeah, seen you would you would not think of these two together in one movie, but they they played well off each other. John had uh, John had. I saw this in the theater with my uh, with my beautiful wife, and uh, we loved it. We we quote it to this day. Keep it together. Keep it together. K I. <laughs> I gotta keep it together. I gotta keep it together. Uh, K I T. Um, Eddie Murphy does a good job. Tool rolls here, showing what he would uh, show off later with uh, with the the uh, Nutty Professor and uh, what's the other one where he's a million people. Is coming right? to America. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh. Yeah, coming to America. I forgot about that. Uh, but yeah, playing dual roles here as uh, as someone a famous movie star and his brother. I forgot his name. Kit. What is it? Kit. Uh... Kit and Jif. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The brother's name is Jif. That's right. What a great. Uh, what a great name. Uh, this is awesome. Awesome. You're doing great. Um. Jake, what did you think of this movie, man? Uh, it reminded me of Ed Wood a lot. Yeah, oh. it was a very similar, a very similar <laughs> premise with a more, like a more, a slightly, slightly more comedic take. Right, right. A little more overtly, a little more silly. Mm-hmm. A little more silly. Uh, I'm, su- um, I'm surprised at how much of this stuff ends up in Tropic Thunder. Like when he talks about uh, when he talk, pardon the use of the word, but they talk about uh, being a retard in what in your movie. You know, he's got a mm-hmm. he got the Oscar for being a you know. Uh, pardon me, that was the movie, not me. But in um, this one, he actually says idiot. It's funny they don't even say retard; they say he says idiot. You know, white boy play an idiot, he gets an Oscar. You know? Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I thought he maybe used the R word, so I feel bad for saying that. But I'm going to leave it in there because I said it, and I'm going to stand by it because I thought it was the movie quote. The version I watched, he did say it. Okay, then I'm wrong. I deleted it. (laughs) It's weird to hear that word now. It's weird to hear that word and that we were using it so late. Yep. uh, uh, But, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of that in there. Go ahead, Jacob. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. I thought it was a it was a very it was a very interesting take to they're trying to scurry and make a movie and instead of uh, instead of hiring the actor directly they just film scenes with film scenes with him without his knowledge and then him end up going crazy I thought that was a lot of fun and uh, a very different role than Eddie I've seen Eddie Murphy in previously right. 
And I thought he played it. I thought he played it really well. Did, did you think he played both very well? Um, well, like his brother, his brother Jeff was all right. There were a couple of parts that I thought were funny, but it was just, I don't know. That part was okay. But I thought the premise and overall story was pretty funny, but I didn't like, I didn't laugh a whole lot in this one. Whoa. Maybe. Whoa. Yeah. I like, I like some of, uh, oh God. What's his name? What's the main? Oh. Steve man. Martin? He's not wearing Steve Martin. Jeez. I like some of Steve Martin's earlier stuff. I think there's, for me, there's like a gap where like I love Steve Martin's earlier stuff, some of his like more stuff in the middle, I'm kind of whatever about, and then I start liking him more again when he does like the family stuff, like Cheaper by the Dozens and all that. Yeah, this is kind of a return to him of being a little bit more of uh, his, not quite his earlier persona, but at least, like manic. Yeah, yeah, at least to yeah. a level of like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels where he was still doing, you know, uh, comedies, you know, you know, straight comedy. He quite hadn't quite turned into the family friendly Steve Martin yet. This might be the last one. I forgot to look at the filmography. I think this might be the last one where he's doing that sort of manic persona, flat out comedy. I don't. This might really be the the last one. Right. Oh. But yeah. Overall, thought it was thought it was fun, but it was okay. It was. It's not my favorite Steve Martin movie. It was it? It was just okay for you. Patrick, okay. Patrick, you hate Steve Martin. Oh, I hate Steve Martin. Does the re- did the rest of the movie make up the fact for the fact that Steve Martin's in this for you? No. Uh, unfortunately, this movie has a really interesting concept. The idea of making a movie with an actor who doesn't know he's in the movie uh, is actually a really cool idea. And I thought the execution was just really kind of cheesy and poor. Um, there's something there, but it just... I did not enjoy this film. And uh, Steve Martin, while he was probably a little bit more subdued than previous, uh, still, uh, I found him uh, a little graining on my uh, mental <laughs> capacity. Yeah, but you had Heather Graham in there. To kind yeah, of soften yeah. That I mean, you, you know, it's uh, she's a good actress, and to just have her go through and say, hey, I'm going to sleep my way through the cast to <laughs> get what I want to get, it's kind of uh, unfortunate. Uh, I think that there could have been something else. I thought that she was taking the power back. That's the way I saw it. I thought, <laughs> that was, uh, I thought it was her taking the power back. Because she leaves them all crushed. They're all like sad about it, right? They, she I mean, yeah, I get it. The thing is that it's so obvious. It's funny. I was laughing because it's just so obvious. She just drops them like a hot potato onto the next one. It's like, oh, you're the one that writes them? Okay. Oh, you're the one that gets, okay. <laughs> just like, she just keeps like, all right, I'm done. I'm on to the next one. Right. So the scenes are going to be in the movie, right? It's like, no, that has to be, yeah, that has to yeah. be okayed by so-and-so. She's like, oh. Yeah. And then immediately drops them and goes on right. the next one. Um, so, uh, Patrick, how did you feel about Eddie Murphy? Because I know you're a big. Uh, I thought he was good. Um, I re- he plays crazy well, and he's over the top like Steve Martin a lot of the times. Um, I I don't know. I I think there's just a lot of different ways this movie could have gone, and uh, I don't know. It, it was just okay. But I think did- Eddie Murphy does play manic a little bit more charismatically than Steve Martin does. Yeah. Well, with the open mm-hmm. shirt and the leather jacket, he's very much playing Eddie Murphy. There you go. Yeah. 
he's just taking it a bubble off. I'm a, you know, a big star. If he was just a bubble off, like he'd gotten sucked into Scientology. Right. And we're just a little, cra- <laughs> little crazy, a little paranoid mind. And he's seen enough of those guys. that He probably knew exactly what to do. You right. Uh, you got a Minehead meeting. I'm going to Minehead. You're in Minehead. I love that. <laughs> Obvi- so obviously Scientology. So yeah. Terran stamp. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. John, what did you think? Did this hold up for you? Yeah, I saw. I came to this late. I've, I didn't see this in the theaters. It was. It kind of just this. Uh, kind of like flew under the radar or something. And then, a few years back, I finally saw it on cable or something. And then I watched it last night. I, I think they're both great in this. And I think a lot of it. I mean, they're both really good. It's. A, I think it's a funny script. It's a funny idea. It did remind me a little of Ed Wood, the way they're stealing cameras and you know they're stealing stuff and you know steal the car and all that. I just thought the uh, it was put together really well. With something like this, it would have fallen apart. It, it. I think Frank Oz really put it together real punchy. A lot of this is the rhythm of it. A lot of it's kind of cornball. And you've seen this sort of thing before, like with the producers and stuff where you got the, sh- but I think the way they cut it was just right. And this, the, they didn't linger too long on some of the dumber bits. And I just thought it really worked well. I thought everybody was firing on all cylinders and you forget how talented Eddie Murphy is to play those two characters. You'd think it, you would think it's two different guys for heart almost, you know, right. by the time he has the braces and the glasses and the bad haircut, the posture, everything is just, it's just perfect. Jeff. But I also, it, it's kind of odd in an odd way. It's a little heartwarming in an odd way because Steve Martin, there's nothing, nothing in the course of the movie deters him. He's just like, all right, this didn't work out. We're on to the next thing. You know, right. Something blows up in his face. That's all right. Tomorrow we'll take it from here. Right. And he never flags in his energy for the, for the scheme. And it's kind of cute. In a way, it comes from a pure place. He's wanted to make movies ever since he was a kid. That whole thing about putting money in the box. What is it? A dollar a day since he was 10. Right. And... This is coming. It's funny. They could have played this like he just wants a car or money or just whatever it is. He really wants to make movies. So the whole thing is in the service of that. It's not like a scheme to make money. It's like, I want to make movies. So everything I'm doing is to further that goal. Right. And I just love all the craziness. Like st- <laughs> like taking Robert Downey Jr.'s car, the minute he walks away, they, they hop in and just drive it off, you know? Right. And I love the thing on the freeway. Uh, you know, the whole thing on the freeway, I've heard that uh, somebody wanted to cut that. I think somebody at the studio said, let's cut that. The movie's a little too long. And Steve Martin says, we are not going to cut the funniest scene in the movie. He says, I'm sorry. You know, that's not going. That's staying in. It was tough to film. Mm. I'm not even sure how they filmed it because I think yeah. that really was on a freeway. But, um, yeah. But he said, he said, no. He says, I think that's the funniest, the funniest scene in the movie. So we're not cutting that. So they he had enough clout that they didn't do it. And that is an incredible scene. I don't know how they did it, but it certainly looks like he's running across the freeway into traffic. You know, that didn't particularly, I wonder, I'd like to look that up and see how they did it. That doesn't particularly look like CGI. It's not 1999. I don't know if they they were that far along on CGI. That's pretty far back. Heavenly God. uh, There must've been a way that they did it. Heavenly God, heavenly God, heavenly God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great scene great scene and i love all the peripheral characters i love the guys i don't know if you caught this but the guys that he gets over the border to do all this stuff with the cameras 
and they barely speak the language. And by the end, they're like sitting around and they're talking about Kubrick and uh, <laughs> Dr. Strangelove. And one of them's reading like a French cinema magazine. <laughs> and they've really got it by the end. They've really got it together. You know, you can tell they, they really are good at their jobs. You know, right, right. Oh, my God. They go to the to go to the fucking border to get their camera crew. And by the but end, by the, they like know what they're doing. But oh, by wow. the end, it's funny because at, at first he's got to tell them just how to do the clapboard. By the end, they're really good. And they've got, you know, they got their own opinions over who's the good directors. You know? right. Maybe we can open up the aperture to give them more of like, hey, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was great. And uh, I don't know, uh, Jamie Kennedy, I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything that wasn't on MTV. I thought he was pretty good. Hmm. And um, I don't know whatever happened to him. I think Christine Boransky was good. They all had yeah. their moments to shine. Well, Christina Boransky and, and uh, Heather Graham are good at just being over actors. They're looking like yes. They're, they're, do, they're, they're like Christina Boransky looked like she was overacting, and Heather Graham looked like she was just like doing a high school play. And so it yeah. really worked out. Yeah. She's doing all those weird, you know. Heather Graham's doing all those weird motions where she's just waving her arms on the air, and and you know. And doing all like a body shake and really weird and awkward. And it was, they did a really good and job. And you're right, Christine Boransky's doing it like she's <laughs> she's on Broadway. Yeah. Right. She's doing it. Yeah. me of, um, oh God, what's the what, Sunset Boulevard? Oh, right. She was definitely doing the, the, a little bit of, uh, of the uh, Sunset Boulevard in there. With Norma the Desmond, eye. yeah. Yeah, with, with yeah. the eyes when she's looking at the dailies and she's like, you know, she's doing the eyes and making the eyes big. And yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. I loved it. The tilted up pace, yeah. Loved that was it. pretty good. Loved it. But the thing with Steve Martin is uh, you forget the, the sort of stuff he's great at. That scene where he's getting the... Uh, his house ready for the date with Heather Graham. And there's all these little, little touches and it's all perfect. It's all like worthy of like a Jack lemon or uh, you know, or one of those guys where it's just, it's all in the, uh, it's all in the business. He's, he's funneling the cheap wine into the good wine bottle. Right. And you know, he's, he's you know, the whole thing where he puts the, 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 the dog looks kind of obscene. So he rubber bands the, the, the legs together. And I think that was my favorite part. That part right there, where he rubber bands the dog's legs. I'm just thinking that's like the gold that for me, that's what puts him in the, in the big leagues is that stuff. It's like a five minute, less than five minutes. And every move he makes is funny just to get, the house up and ready for the date and i just right. thought it's pure comedy gold but this is probably the last movie he did that was a straight flat-out comedy right, you know right where he had that kind of input to do yeah something. and he wrote it so what the hell and you think great script and i think they really got the right guy because frank oz did dirty rotten scoundrels so i think he thought this is the guy he knows how to time it you know right right yeah uh i think it's just fun as a as a kind of a spoof of Hollywood and how they do things and kind of like, uh, you know, you know, just the way the, the whole process, you know, how things work in Hollywood, how movies get made. Um, you know, it's, it's who, you know, it's really a lot of that, you know, there's a lot of people out there with good ideas that never get their movies made. And, you know, and, uh, not that chubby rain was a good idea. Uh, <laughs> it just shows hey, you. It got him to direct the Taiwan, Taiwanese. Yeah. What movie, is it? So. Uh, fake purse ninjas. Is that what it was called? Mm -hmm. What a great, uh, what a great scene that was. My only complaint about that scene is it looked too Hollywood. They should have made it look like a, like a, like a knockoff, like a more low budget. Yeah. They should have made it look oh, yeah. more low budget. But, um, that was my only complaint that that joke doesn't quite land because it looks too polished. It had to look shittier. Yeah. 
but I, I love the guys doing backflips and they're barely touching them. I love that Christina Baranski is doing basically a Myrna Loy in like an old, uh, in like an old Fu Manchu movie, you know? Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of little references in there that are really fun. Uh, yeah. uh, that I really, really like. So I, I, I like this one. I tend to think of it as Steve Martin's last ride and that kind of comedy. Uh, yeah. And I yeah. thought he and Eddie Murphy really paired well together. And the, the whole cast is great. Even the young guy who I don't know him from anything else. I'm sure he's in something, but the younger actor who, uh, yeah, know, yeah. Even he's good. He's so hopeful and you know, yeah. And, uh, everybody's so hopeful. That's the great thing about it. Everybody just wants to make this movie work. And so, and that's tough. That's tough to sell. You, they could have gone real cynical with this, and you know, all you kind of are rooting for everybody, and it, it, you could have really gone in the other direction and just made it too, too snotty. But everybody really has a dream to pull this off, and that kind of makes it. That's what makes it nice. My you know? favorite scene, I think, is uh, I do like the dog closing. But there's a scene where, when they get when he, <laughs> when he pulls Kit over, the LAPD guy that they sucker into being the movie. And then his buddy is the writer starts pumping the 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 stuff out of his brain, right? And he starts <laughs> he starts screaming. There's a scene where the cop just lazily points his gun at the guy at his partner, like real quick. He doesn't quite know what to do. He just kind of lazily points it over. The, that scene always makes me laugh. It's just a great little bit of business. It's real quick, but he's just trying to give his line. He's like, "What? Uh, uh, so good." He's not an actor. He's not an actor. So good. It's always that always fun. I always love that in a movie when an actor is trying to act like they they don't know how to act. That always works really well for me. That always yeah. That always I always wonder like how that's done because that can't be easy to do. No, it's like it's like trying to mimic bad writing. You've got to really be good to be able to mimic right. the bad stuff. You got to go against all your instincts to make it work. That's right. Especially good actors, yeah, when they've trained so much to do what they do so well to be able to purposely do it. Yeah, purpose to be able to fake it. Right, right. Probably right. pretty tough. Right. It's gotta be hard. All right. Let's like uh, once, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jake. Oh, it's like once you it's like once you have rhythm, you can keep the beat. It's hard to be able to not be able to like keep the beat. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like now that I know how to upper deck, I can never go back. To this. <laughs> uh, oh and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> there we go. Full circle, baby. Full circle. Just and so we back don't to the intro. Just so we, so we don't upset Justine. Let's give our. Let's say we're going to rank, and then we'll give our ranks, and then we'll say our goodbye. So, John, what do you <laughs> give? Uh, John, what do you give? Bowfinger. I give it a solid eight. This is a lot of fun. I laughed at the whole thing, so I give it an eight. Uh, Jake. I'll give it a six. Patrick. Three. A three. That's rough. He's rough. Tough crowd. I'm going to give it a 10. I'm just kidding. Uh, No, it's not a perfect movie, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, I I just like to throw this on from time to time. It does make me laugh. There's a lot of funny stuff in there. I like anything involved where people are making a movie or, you know, behind the scenes on a movie. Yeah, uh, there is no there is no place called Jump Blues. In case you're looking for it, uh, that's on a set somewhere, and it looks very bad. But uh, other than that, um, yeah, I give. It to, I'm gonna be with. John, I'm gonna go with John. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm very close to John. I'm gonna give it. A, I'll give it a seven. It's a seven for me. Solid seven. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's it, guys. Next week, uh, World is not enough. 
James Bond. Yeah. We'll do that while Justine's gone. That's a present for that's a present for Justine. <laughs> Boy, I wish I could give myself that present. Wow. Wow. Oh, oh. Wow. Oh. Uh, that movie just goes nowhere. But <laughs> you're going nowhere. That'd, All right. that'd be a great sound bite. Boy, that movie just went nowhere. <laughs> it did. It did. It's like uh it's like, okay. It's like the uh, not one of the better ones. It's the uh, I, I'm not going to say because I don't want to spark a debate right at the end. But, okay, uh, it's it, no golden eye. It's no, uh, yeah, it's no. It's a song without a melody. Um, <sighs> is what it is. Anyway, well, you'll get my review next week. Spoiler alert. I, I got I got to hand it to you though. You've decided to do every last one of them. I remember years ago you said we will never do a Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> for this for that reason, for that reason. I just, but that, somehow down the line you decided, well, what the heck? I'm reminding myself that I was right and I should stick to my guns, but you know what the hell. Mm. It'll be fun. Anyway, I love you guys. Uh it's been a good good show. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully next week we'll have, we'll have some female energy. This was a lot of, uh, it's like a lot, a lot of, of men. This is a big, a lightsaber fight around here. You know what I'm saying? That's what that was. Use the phone. When, when the girls are back, they'll go, please. No more references to upper decking. Huh? Hello. No, uh, upper deck every time. Yeah. Crawl up. There Even like, your own house. Crawl up there like a pterodactyl. Just crawl up there like a pterodactyl. Give it what for. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. Squeeze and pinch it off. No, I don't pinch off. Mm-hmm. All right, I gotta go, guys. <laughs> On that note, uh, uh, John's gotta go practice. I'm gonna go practice as well. Yeah, I gotta go okay. to work. You guys have a great week. I'm sorry we got so vulgar, but it was fun. We have to do that once in a while to remind ourselves that we're guys. All right. This is what other people on other podcasts do. I listen to you guys. Don't act like it's all, it's, it's all caviar and, and, uh, and, and, and freaking, you know, Dom Perignon. Okay. I, I hear you people out there. There's a lot of poop jokes. Okay. But we, <laughs> we hear you. We hear you and we, uh, and we comply. But we, uh, but we do it with love. That upper deck is up. When I'm crawling up there, I'm thinking about nothing but you guys. It's love. So for Jake, for John, for Patrick, what a weird way to end. We say this transmission ends now. Fight the power. <laughs>